Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk about improving seed emergence. And I just look at it this way. Seed is a big investment that we make in the farm and getting great seed is important. I want every single plant to come up. I want every single plant to be strong and and have a ton of vigor because you know the stress is coming, whether it's heat, cold, dry, too wet, insects, disease, weeds to compete against, you name it, everything is stacked against your seed. So we want to do everything we can to get the seed off to the fastest start and best start possible. So we'll talk about that on today's show. We'll also be taking your calls and questions at 844 44 ag phd or you can always email us radio at agphd.com the main reason why we're talking about this today yes it's early and you might say well it's going to be a while before i plant but most farmers we talk to anymore talk about planting early and some talk about planting super early some talk about planting even before crop insurance dates which we don't recommend but nevertheless if you're planting into colder soils this becomes more problematic because that seed is going to sit in the ground longer and there's more time for diseases and insects, other pathogens to attack your seed and young seedling. It's not just about getting germination going. It's about getting that seed not only out of the ground, but well into its life cycle so it can really thrive. So that's what we're going to work on today or talk about today. And I, I guess I'll start you with a couple things and we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag. But I, I just say this, you, you got to think about, okay, if I'm planting earlier, I'm usually going to gain yield and I'm going to get my work done faster. So those are both enormous advantages and reasons why you want to get this done. But also, you got to think along the lines of, you know what, at least for the first 10 or 20 or 30% of the stuff that I plant, I'm willing to spend more money on that because chances are, again, it'll be higher yielding and I finish my work earlier, meaning I have more time to make more money on my farm doing things myself, spraying more timely, scouting, tiling, whatever. So anyway, I would just say like on our farm, when we have super early planting, we will invest more in insecticide. We will invest more in fungicide. Well, I don't, I can't say we'll really change our fertility plan much. Um, but I mean, because we're always doing at least a little bit of low salt liquid in furrow for corn. And we're at least thinking about whatever our fertility program is for soybeans. Maybe it's two by two or whatever. But anyway, the point here is if you aren't willing to do anything extra, and you want to plant super early, I just say your odds of failure are much, much greater than when that soil is warmer. However, you can counteract that by having better seed treatment, better or using more fungicide, insecticide, making sure you've got fertility there and ready to go, things like that. Also, you really want to look at what's the cold germination score in your seed, not just the warm germ score. Almost no seed company in the world is going to tell you what the cold germ score is. They're only going to tell you what the warm germ score is. Well, that warm germ score helps you out a lot when the soil temp's 77 degrees. That's what the temp, what the uh, warm germ tests are run at in most labs. 77, yes, 77 degrees. Our soil temp, on average, doesn't hit 77 until 4th of July or so. 
all my crop better darn well be in the ground way before the 4th of July. So I'm just trying to tell you that warm germ score doesn't tell you much. Get the cold germ score. If you have to run the test yourself, do it. It doesn't cost much money. All right, so we'll talk about improving seed emergence throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, Brian, uh, we've got the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic coming up next week on February 9th, I believe. Uh, Dan's got a question that I'm sure we're going to address during that workshop, but he, he said, guys, I'm wondering... Wait, whoa, talk- whoa, it's the 8th, right? The, I thought it was corn Wednesday and then, the 8th. Is tiling first? Oh, tiling's, tiling's first. first. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tiling first, February 8th, and then our corn workshop is February 9th. Right. So you can you can check all those details out at agphd.com. We don't want you showing up a day late for the uh, tiling. Well, show up a day early. That's that's fine. Okay, so Dan Dan writes this. He, he said, all right, guys, uh, fixing sodic soils. You talk about improving drainage as part of the equation here, and you Definitely. literally have to flush stuff out. Yep. So I'm curious about that. Does this make it a downstream water issue? No. Or is it just uh, you're going to see a, a short flush that's going to make it worse, or what do you see? Okay. So downstream water issue, are we talking about the water volume or are we talking about the sodium? No, no, no. The sodium in the water. Okay. And, and yeah. we so aren't first creating all, any new sodium, number one. Well, so it's Yeah, but wait a second. There's sodium on your ground that you want off your ground. So immediately you might think, oh, I'm contaminating the water with sodium. Well, look, sodium is a nutrient that all living animals, human beings, and even plants need. So this is not something, it'd be just like if, oh, I'm going to throw vitamin C in the water. Oh, I'm worried about that. If it's some tiny, ridiculously tiny dose, which is what it's going to be. Because yeah, there's enough sodium in your field that it's hurting your yields. But first of all, you're not going to flush all that out right away. It's going to take 30 years. And secondly, when you stop and think about it in trillions of gallons of water, is it really that much? No, part per billion maybe. I mean, it doesn't amount to diddly squat. The other side of this, if he was by chance asking, which I agree with you, I think he was asking about the sodium, but if he was by chance asking about flooding people out downstream, that is an absolute, complete myth about tiling. People think, oh, you're going to flood people out downstream. No, you're not. You're going to make it drier downstream. Think about it for just a second. Water is always moving. Whether you see it moving or not, it's moving downhill. So even below ground, it's moving. It's still going downstream, whether you realize it or not. Anyway, the point here is if we can keep the water table down and we can reduce that sodium, now we're going to have more crop. And like on our own farm, we had areas that were 50 bushels that became 250 bushel corn within just a few years. It was shocking almost to me how much the yield went up. Okay, does a 250 bushel corn crop remove way more water than a 50 bushel corn crop? You bet. There's less total water going downstream. I'll absolutely guarantee you once you're raising more crop. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk about improving seed emergence on today's show. This is Ag PhD Radio. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. 
One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about improving seed emergence. Expect to hear a lot about this topic as we head towards spring, especially, man, we've got a blanket of snow in the north. And and if you're not sitting in a blanket of snow, be thankful this year. It's deep up here. And so we're thinking, oh, you know what? There's going to be some cold soils that guys are going to plant into. It's it's going to be wet, but honestly, it happens that way all the time. We know we're going to freeze in the north, and ground is going to have to thaw out for us to put seed in the ground. And for us to get ahead of all those things competing with our seed, we've got to have great seed emergence. Uh, so that's our topic. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got Troy Bauer with us right now with BASF. How are you doing, Troy? Very good. How are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, improving seed emergence, uh, I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners are thinking, well, you're probably going to talk about seed treatments today. Well, there's seed treatments, there's inferral fungicides, there's lots of different things that can be done. Uh, so when a grower asks you, how, how can I improve seed emergence, uh, where do you start that conversation, Troy? Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, my specialty is seed treatment, so uh, you guessed where I would uh, start with. I think as growers think about uh, the upcoming growing season, commodity prices still look uh, very attractive, and we want to make sure we want to protect every seed that they plant out there in their fields. And a great way to do that is to utilize an effective seed treatment, such as Obvious Plus from uh, BASF. And one of the things that makes Obvious Plus so unique is it actually uh, contains active ingredient F500, uh, which is the active ingredient in a headline. And many growers know that that active ingredient actually provides stress tolerance and cold tolerance. And so uh, even though I'm from uh, Iowa, I'm actually in central Nebraska today, and I'm looking out uh, the window at uh, all the snow out there. And we know, just like you said, it's going to be cold. Conditions are going to be tough. And so anything we can do to protect those seeds uh, with a strong fungicide seed treatment Containing F500 is uh, going to be very beneficial for the growers in the marketplace. 
Yeah, there there are a lot of folks that are interested in, okay, what's coming? I mean, we see so many new modes of action with fungicides in the, the foliar realm. Certainly, we're starting to see some new things out there on the seed, and we're seeing some really nice things in terms of plant health as well. You bet, you bet. And one of the things that makes a, a F500 or the active ingredient in headline so unique is not only does it provide good stress tolerance and cold tolerance, but actually has uh, activity on Pythium. And so as we think about uh, trying to diversify the portfolio to get a couple of modes of action uh, on the major uh, disease uh, spectrum out there, Obvious Plus does provide that. And I think the other thing that growers need to consider, especially in these tough conditions, if they have high residue, is a really good insecticide seed treatment uh, to control uh, those uh, underground uh, insect pests and and, uh, maybe even bean leaf beetles early in the season. And uh, there's a number of good products out there, uh, none of them more effective than uh, Poncho in the marketplace. So a couple of really good considerations for growers as they want to protect their investment this upcoming season. Hey, we've got a lot of growers in, in the wheat market that have been talking about Taraxa, and I don't know if that's in your wheelhouse, Troy, but a lot of questions about that coming in other crops, and I know that active ingredient, there's there's a potential here for corn rootworm product. And how about soybeans? Are, are we looking at some different things in soybeans for bugs as well? Uh, I think we've got some things a little bit further upstream that we're looking at uh, in the uh, soybean insecticide market. Uh, the Traxa active ingredient is uh, especially active on wireworms. It uh, will uh, control wireworms, uh, has a high level of efficacy of that uh, pest in the uh, wheat marketplace. And you are correct, we're looking at that in furrow uh, as a product called Nerisma. Uh, for uh, corn rootworm. It's actually highly efficacious against corn rootworm. So it's always exciting to bring uh, new products to the marketplace that uh, have new active ingredients. And uh, uh, this product is particularly uh, uh, safe to uh, use as well uh, as uh, as marked by the caution uh, words on the uh, label. But a couple of really good active ingredients out there to work with. Yeah, we're excited about that. That's going to be fun. And and you mentioned Poncho has certainly been very dependable for a long time. Having having some other things, like on the fungicide, we like multiple modes of action. I think it would be kind of cool to get some different modes of action on the insecticide coming here down the road as well to to protect those because we don't want to lose those neonics. They've been, been super valuable. Uh, talking about improving seed emergence, and we had a great start here with Troy Bauer with BASF. Troy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you yeah thanks so much you have a great day you stay too. warm today oh yes no no doubt about that we're not not heading outside anytime soon uh sit down to georgia we got abe eubank on with us right now with top gun how you doing abe hey i'm doing good how are you guys we are doing well you know it's it's cold inside but we're already thinking about planting and one of the things that we're shooting for is getting every seed in the whole field to have great vigor, uh, perfect emergence. And certainly there's a lot of technology out there to help us do that. Uh, from from TopCon's perspective, what are some important things we need to consider about improving seed emergence? So one of the, the first things we need to consider with even seed emergence is we've got to back up early in the thought process, you know, before the planters hit the field or, or anything like that. We, we need to be concerned with our tillage and really concerned with the consistency of our seed bed prep. You know, are we keeping that tillage implement consistently you know, at a consistent depth all across the field when we hit the soft sandy spots? Are we maintaining our desired depth? 
Are we keeping it down in those hard clay spots where it tends to ride out of the soil? You know, those kind of things. And that's really the building block of our crop is that proper seedbed tillage. You know, when we look at planter technology and at planting application and seed genetics, those kind of things, all those technologies have grown tremendously over the past 10, 15 years, but we still rely more more or less on dumb iron for the actual seedbed prep. And that's the kind of mentality, you know, as farmers, we need to change because, you know, that's the basis of our crop. We're putting our crop in the dirt, so we want to give that seed and that technology every chance it has to work. So to maintain that consistency and give us the best chance, an automatic depth control system is going to be you know, really crucial as we go forward. And from an investment standpoint, you know, we're talking a minimal investment in a good quality aftermarket depth control system, typically less than the cost of a set of blades for tillage implement. And it's, it, I kind of describe it like this, you know, when you paint a wall in your house, you can have the best paint, the best brushes, the best rollers, everything's, you know, top of the line. But if your wall is not finished properly, you're going to see those imperfections and you're not going to be satisfied. And it's the same way with you know, when we're trying to put a crop in the ground. We want that wall, we want that ground to be finished absolutely as perfect as we can get it. And then that gives our seed the best chance to come up in that nice, even, uniform fashion. You know what, Abe, I, I would say this, and I'll challenge all of our listeners, just, just like for us on our own farm, we need to be out in the field digging more. We need to dig. The planter runs through the field, and you're right, we got some dumb iron out there. <laughs> we got to reduce our reliance on it. We got to got to use some of the different technologies that are out there. But I think there is one piece of dumb iron that I like, and it's a shovel. And if I can dig across my rows and see where is my seed at? Is my planter actually putting it where I want it? What what is the the down pressure like? What is my depth control like? How how is the seed to soil contact? And if I'm out digging, I can really evaluate things. So even if you say, "Oh, Abe, Abe's telling me I got to spend money, and I don't want to spend money on on new things," okay, well, go out and do some digging and see if you actually need it. Because I'm betting, Abe, if we got more people out digging, we'd have more people saying, "Ooh." I'm not doing as good a job as I thought, and there's definitely room for improvement here. Right. The shovel tells all. It ha- it has no secrets. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's not biased. It's going to show you exactly what's out there. And uh, it, it's one of those things, if you're not out doing that, you just don't know. And and I, I'd say this, too, for, for our farm, one of the best moves we've made in recent years has been getting our best operator out behind the equipment and, and putting some of the younger guys in the equipment. And I know for all the young farmers out there listening, they're like, yes, yes, I want to run the planter. Well, guess what? Who's the best person to evaluate if that planter is working or not? It's probably the guy that's been running it for 10 or 20 or 30 years get out behind do a little bit of digging i think you're going to find this new technology really does pay the return on investment's been good i've been talking with abe eubank here with topcon abe thanks for joining us we really appreciate it all right thanks you have a good day you too and we're talking about improving seed emergence and we'll be right back after this what does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition with agro liquid you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. 
It's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Come to Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Come to Commodity Classic. Please join us in Orlando, Florida in 2023. Join us in Orlando for Commodity Classic. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We are talking about improving seed emergence. We've already attacked this just a little bit with technology. Also looking at some of the, the new and different types of seed treatments that are out there. Certainly that's a big discussion. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about equipment. We've got Nate Jansen with us right now with CNB, which uh, uh, is big John Deere dealership. But how are you doing, Nate? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. All right. So uh, we just had, had Abe Eubank on with TopCon, and he was saying, you know, automatic depth control has really been a big deal and has really helped with emergence. Mm-hmm. And he said, instead of just relying on it, he used this term, and I don't want to offend you, Nate, so I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, this is Abe's word. He said, dumb iron. We don't want to rely on dumb iron. We need to use some of these precision control systems to help us. What do you think about that, Nate? I, I think you could probably adjust the dumb iron to be pretty darn good, but what do you think about some of the new uh, things like depth control and, and other things that we, we have for options now? 
Yeah, you bet. There's there's a hundred different options out there, and everybody kind of has their their own solution. And and Abe's right that uh, you know everything kind of comes back to that proper seedbed preparation, which which essentially is dumb iron. Um, but there are a lot of things we can do to you know kind of enhance what it's doing, get vis- better visibility, and uh, take a little bit better control of that that first pass through the field as we're we're preparing for it. On the kind of the newer side, uh, we've, we've been able to control depth and, and basically punch in how deep do you want to be from the monitor and, and things for a while, and it depends on brand of equipment you have and the monitor and so forth. One of the new things from, from the John Deere side of things, uh, we've released this TrueSet Active system, which basically takes the traditional depth control and adds essentially a ground-based radar, which looks at where the ground truly is and essentially adjusts on the fly. So as your, your shovels wear and things like that, it's going to be adjusting for any of those changes. Um, so doing a little bit more kind of machine learning, so to speak, on that, that very first pass as we, we start to basically prepare the seedbed for that planter, whether it's a high speed or a more traditional unit that comes behind. Yeah. How cool is that? The technology that we've got now, and it's farming to me is getting more fun. And there, there are a lot of these things though, that make guys nervous, Nate. And I know a lot of our listeners will say, man, I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years old. How hard is it to learn how to use these things? And uh, how quick is it to, uh, to get this added onto your system? Yep, absolutely. So a lot of things that we can look at, and when it comes down to, to planting, uh, really nothing has changed from, from the job that we're trying to do. It's one of the, the leadership people I've listened to, he, his big thing is do the basics to a high level consistently. And to me, that speaks very, very directly into planting, which that leads into our better seed emergence. But we're with the planter, we want to make sure we have a consistent depth, whether you've got an automated system, a spring system, an air system, hydraulic doesn't matter we we need to make sure we have consistent depth that starts at making sure you know we measure our openers making sure they can properly create that seed trench um, making sure our gauge wheel bushings aren't wobbly and then we check for depth at every single row uh, planners have a lot of wear points on them so we need to make sure that we're we're looking at all the parts and pieces that are affecting the depth at each row which as we make adjustments that ultimately makes sure that we're giving that seed the best possible chance to to come out consistently and not uh, not fight with its neighbors for space. Hey, you mentioned you mentioned something here that I do get questions on too because you said, "Man, there's a lot of wear parts and wear points on a planter, for example." And I, I look at the size of farms. I look at the speed guys are running across the fields now with some of the newest technology. Is this something where you say, hey, every 500 acres, you really need to go through things again, or every 1,000 acres, or where are we at on that? Because some of these planters are running thousands of acres in a year, and I realize that the goal on some operations is we got to keep that planter running 24-7 to get everything done. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we need to add a second planter here because uh, that, that first planter might need a break at some point. No, absolutely. And, and the same things can come into play, you know, when you're looking at hours you put on a tractor in a year, or do we need to drop oil in the middle and so forth? It, there's not really one magical answer because there's a lot of variables that go into it. You know, uh, what kind of soil conditions are you running in? If you're in the, the sandier conditions, you're going to be wearing your openers a lot more quickly than, you know, in heavy loam and clay type soil. So it, it definitely varies quite a bit. Uh, really the the biggest thing comes down to are you able to hit your planting window or the ideal planting window and uh, you know, what kind of machine 
seed tube? Are you integrating some of the higher speed uh, technologies like in the John Deere world, Exact Emerge, where we can run it? You, know, you don't have to go 10 miles an hour like the advertising was when it came out, but if you can gain one to two to maybe three miles an hour, um, you can you can squeeze out another 80, another quarter a day, depending on your size of planter. So it all depends. Um, biggest thing I would recommend people look at is is look at how many acres you're covering, divide it by you know how many rows are on your planter, and and start to figure out what your your window really is, and uh, start to do a little bit of math. Just if you can pick up maybe one to two miles an hour, what that might do for your operation, because um, you know the mantra of old was bigger planter to cover more acres, and we found that we can gain efficiencies in different ways, both from turning more quickly and consistently with automated turn controls to going a little bit faster. And the other part is, is also making sure it's a lot more efficient to go over a field once if you have the option versus um, needing to start so early that the soil is still cold and uh, too cold and, and not doing a proper job the first time too. So a lot of different factors on the maintenance one, it, it definitely depends. Biggest thing uh, uh, in most cases, specifically in the John Deere world, make sure those openers aren't wore any less than 14 and a half inches across and uh, that usually sets you up for for a good thousand to two thousand acres um for a planter if you're down that low already those are good tips uh we're talking with nate jansen here with cnb equipment and i think the biggest thing that i take from that nate is just hey let's improve our efficiencies out there let's do a great job let's uh, do everything we can to get get the acres covered in time but not sacrifice on the quality of the job that we're doing out there so we're happy with what the end product is. Uh, Nate, uh, great talking with you today. Have to have you back again sometime soon. You bet. Stay warm. <laughs> yes. That's easier said than done right now. It's It's been below zero up here, although it's above zero right now, so we'll, we'll uh, be happy about that in the sunshine. Okay, Brian, we're talking about improving seed emergence, and we didn't really get into naturals yet. I uh, haven't talked much about uh, soil conditions and soil temperature and those types of things. A lot of questions around those always. Well, we talked about soil temp, just that if it's colder, you've got to have more stuff out there. Insecticide, fungicide, maybe fertility, and you have to have a, a high cold germ score. So we've kind of covered that. But as far as the natural side, yeah, we like on our own farm, we've found some, some naturals products that help pop that seed out of the ground 10 to 20% faster. That's a big deal. We've found some naturals products that help get more nutrients into the plant early on. And that, when you stop and think about it for a second, when it's really cold, there are nutrients that just flat out are not as available. Like just even think about your livestock. If you have cattle, you may have had grass tetany before. What that is, is magnesium deficiency. And it's caused because things are so darn cold early in the spring that the magnesium isn't super available, doesn't get into the plant or into the grass that the, the livestock is feeding on, and then they're short on magnesium. Okay, so you got to figure out a way to overcome those things when you're going to plant so early. Like on our own farm, we have many times planted when there was still some frost in the ground. Think about that for a second. That soil's ridiculously cold. And you're going to have some nutrient deficiencies there unless you properly address those. So fertility is a really big thing. And however you want 
to address that by adding more fertility, by using some naturals products to help make some things more available. Uh, I mean, there are different ways to go about that. Certainly there are varieties that do a little bit better. And again, I come back to look at the cold germ score because that's a really big thing. A lot of times we blame stuff on other things, but what it really amounted to is (laughs) your seed just didn't have a high cold germination percentage. Um, Beyond that, I, I guess seed to soil contact is just tremendously important. And what we're always going to tell you is please don't mud the crop in, especially when it's early and cold. I mean, I get it if it's late and you're like, well, it's either mudded in or I don't get the crop in. Oh, I get it in that case. But if it's day one, make sure that soil is dry enough so you can get good seed to soil contact, get that seed smashed around the or sorry, the soil smashed around the seed, and then you just have a lot better germination. So anyway, these are all important things. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag, though, right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air, It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. But the HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're about to hit the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Get this one from Matthew, Brian. He said, I get a little math for you guys. So first of all, uh, just curious, on the nitrogen testing, uh, do you take a separate sample for nitrogen for every zone or soil, or do you take an average for the whole field to determine your rates? Well, I, I mean, it, it's a little bit of both. In other words, we're looking at every zone, but yet knowing I, I probably want to do two applications. Okay, one application, I want to make it as simple and as cheap as possible. So it's nice if I can just run with, let's say, for example, like in our farm, we threw out 200 pounds of ammonium sulfate last fall. Okay, not I'm not getting a lot of nitrogen out there. I'm getting 42 pounds approximately. And so that's a simple, easy broadcast I can have. <laughs> and I'll just say it. Any fool, go do that. I can put a kid out there, whatever, responsibly, of course. <laughs> but you know where I'm going with this. Okay, then we look at, all right, let's dial this down a little bit better. And could we vary that rate across the field in terms of two things. One, how much nitrogen do we have carryover or how much nitrogen is in that soil? And quite frankly, I'd like that test, if possible, to be as as close to when we're going to apply the N or as, as close to when that N is needed in the crop as I can. So in other words, I'd like a June test with a June application as opposed to a an October test with a June application. You see where I'm going with this. But then the other thing that we want to look at besides what's in the soil, is what's our yield goal? Because if I get a 240 bushel yield goal in one area of the field and I got a 140 bushel yield goal in another area of the field, then I want to vary my rate based on that. So there, there are multiple factors there. And I'll, I'll just say this, because right away people are going to say one of two things, or probably both. One, too complicated. Two, cost too much money. Does it really cost too much money? Even if you say, all right, nitrogen's come way down in price. Instead of being a dollar a unit, maybe I'm paying 70 cents a unit. Well, that's still a lot of money. If I could vary my nitrogen rate by 50 pounds, and you might say, well, 50 pounds, come on, that's a lot. Uh, no, I'll bet you in every field, here, I'm going to do the quick math. It's 1.12 pounds uh, per bushel. So if I divide the one by the other, that's a 45 bushel difference. You have a 45 bushel difference in corn in your fields? We do. I'm guessing you do too. And so anyway, when you stop and think about that, it's like, okay, well, 50 pounds of nitrogen times even 70 cents, that's $35 an acre. You can do a nitrate test for five and you don't even have to do every acre. You see where I'm going with this. Plus, I want you to think about the environmental consequences of this. If you've got high water table in your area or something like that and you get too much nitrogen out there, you know what happens. Nitrate goes down in the water. All of a sudden, we've created a contamination issue for you, me, everybody in the world who farms because 
non-farmers will say, oh, we're contaminating, we're polluting, and all this garbage. It's like, oh, my goodness. Let's please try to dial the nitrogen thing in as close as closely as we can, and I'd really highly encourage everybody out there, just spend a little bit of money on nitrate testing, please, especially if you're going for higher yield goals. Like on our farm now, our best fields are averaging 260, 270. It's like... Uh, I, I mean, so I got areas out there that are 300. You think about that. How much nitrogen do I need? A lot. If I can vary that nitrogen rate by 50 pounds or 70 pounds or whatever, that's huge. It saves so much money and easily pays for that soil testing and then some. So that's our advice. Wow, that, that got to be a long answer. Okay, so what was the math question? All right, so then he wants to talk a little about phosphorus here. So first of all, uh, he said, if I want to raise my soil phosphorus, uh, would this be the equation that I should use on a six-inch soil test? So my goal, let's say my goal is 50 parts per million okay. of phosphorus. And my current soil test says I have 20 parts per million. Okay. So if I take 50 minus 20, that's 30 parts per million. I want to increase Correct. it. Yep. So I take it times 2 to get 60 pounds. Yep. Then I take that times 2.3 yep. to convert it over to phosphate. So Correct. I have 138 pounds of phosphate. Yep. Then if I am using uh, 1152O yep. to build my phosphorus up, I divide the 138 by 52%. Yep which would give me 265 pounds of 1152 Correct. Okay, now, the only thing I would say, Matt, is if you want to end up at 50 right. parts per million at the end of the year, now you have to add crop removal on top of that. Exactly. But if if your goal is just, no, I want to start with 50, then that's exactly what, what you're doing. Yeah, and as soon as you start hearing this and you go, whoa, that didn't seem like a big jump, plus I get to put on crop removal? And it, I mean, how much do you guys want me to spend? Well, what we want you to figure out is how much are you already spending or how much are you costing yourself? Because here's what's been happening. Yields have been going up at a pretty good pace. You look at in, in even the last 10 or 15 years, how much yields have gone up. We're removing lots of fertility. And it's very easy to say, oh, I have high testing fields. And in two or three years, all of a sudden, you got really low testing fields. So uh, it, it, you farm however you want to, but all we're trying to hopefully bring some awareness to is that for many of us, we're removing just ridiculous amounts of fertility. And I also don't want you to think about your average. I want you to think about your best 20% of your ground. Just like our best 20% of our ground, we're nearing 300 bushel corn. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's taking tremendous amounts of fertility just in the corn year, not the soybean year if we rotate. So if you aren't at least replacing what you're removing, pretty soon those great areas on your farm are going to go to good areas on your farm. And that's no fun, is it? We want yields to keep going up because it seems like it feels like all our costs are going up. So we need yield to pay for that. All right. Then the other question here that Matthew had is, okay, so guys, you talk a lot about this 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc ratio. Roughly. Mm -hmm. So do you figure the current levels of phosphorus like at the end of the season? Yep, we're figuring at figure, the end of the season. Or do you figure the level that you're fertilizing to? Because he said, if I'm raising that phosphorus from 20 up to just say, and he used 40 in this example, but just to say uh, 50, like in his question, yep. uh, does that mean you need five parts per million of zinc? Or is it, hey, at the end of the year, we're only going to have 20 parts per million left, so let's just keep the zinc at two parts per million? Yes, it's at the end of the year. It's at the end of the year. So that, and yeah, the that's reason, the big thing. You yeah. can draw that phosphorus down so fast, mm -hmm. but that zinc, you're you not going to draw down that fast. Nope, that's right. 
So make sure you get enough fertility out there for your yield goal. And that was my whole point on that phosphorus deal, because otherwise you might be drawing. And, and if you're drawing it all the way down to 20, our data would show that that's not what you need for really good yield goals. So 20 at the end of the season, way too low. It's just way too low. All right. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. I'm going to hand you this big stack, Brian. There's about 50 soil tests here that we got from Lance and, or yeah, from Lance. And uh, a couple of things here. I'm just going to give you the ranges here. So if you just listen, maybe jot down a note on the front hey, of this. I'll give you some ranges. Okay. As, as we do that, we, we, we should probably give more information in the future when we say, yeah, you can send us your soil tests if you want us to take a look at them. When we say that, here's really what we mean. Um, we can do one of two things. You can send us a soil test and we can give you our comments on that. Or you can send us a summary of your soil test that's got the high, the low, and the average. Either way is fine. But like in this case, I, I mean, there are 50 soil tests. So do you know how many recommendations I'm going to have? 50. That's right. Every spot, something's pro well, I shouldn't really say. I mean, it's possible some spots are exactly the same. But there, there, there are going to be different things, different needs, depending on what that, that soil test says. So... Anyway, we just we either want a summary or we want one because we're not going to spend we're not going to take the time here on the radio show to go through fifty. Well, and here's tests. here's the other thing, uh, Lance, and we, we'll go through this just a little bit because I kind of summarized uh, based yeah, on what I saw, just kind of what some of the ranges were. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of variability out there, and so to, to Brian's to Brian's point. Uh, there isn't going to be one thing that you say, hey, what would you do? Uh, how would you do that? So he's got a couple of specific questions. We'll dive into those here in just a second. By the way, Lance is up in Vermont. Uh, so we'll look through some soil tests there, talk about what we could do to make things better. And we'll also dig into some more questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. If you would like to get your question in, you can call us at 844-44-AG-PHD or email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Sand the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Think ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeereEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. And just before the break, we had a question from Lance in Vermont. And he was wondering about dealing with high magnesium levels in some of the soils. And he sent us a bunch of tests. And, and I think we're supposed to pick through and kind of pick the ones with high mag and high pH and think about how we could we could address those. Now, uh, he's got a variance in cation exchange capacity from, I think, as low as 5 up to in the low 20s so it, it's some lighter soil up to some fairly heavy soil and there, there's just a, a variety of soils out there but some of the soils have real high magnesium others have extremely low magnesium too so uh, what do you see in the high mag soils what are some of the things there? okay well first of all it's really not that big a deal the magnesium gets up to 30 that's a pittance compared to what some some really high magnesium soils have and we're only talking 600 parts per million. So it's not that big a thing. The cation exchange capacity is 20 or less. So you're talking medium textured soil. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. What I would say is you got to get your... Uh, uh, okay, let me speak to you like I would be... I'm your agronomist. Let's say I'm your agronomist. And you and I have known each other for 20 years, so I'm going to be blunt. I'd say you got to fix some things in your soil. First of all, we got to have a complete soil test because I don't see how much boron you have, copper, iron, manganese, sulfur, nitrogen. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I need more information. I also want to see if you have excess lime because I know you do in this one soil that I'll talk about in a second here. Anyway. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I'd say is you got to get stuff in balance. I, I mean, your, your zinc, you're at 0 0.9. I mean, that's that's just way too low. Your phosphorus, you're at 1.4 parts per million. So I'll, I'll just say this. I'm not that worried about the magnesium thing. Once you get everything else in balance, you're going to see that it, it, things are going to start to straighten out a little bit. Now, after you spend money on getting everything else fixed and you want to address magnesium and it's still a little bit off because we're going to tell you you know it probably needs to be 
16, 18, 20%, somewhere around that kind of range in a medium textured soil anyway. So you're not that far off. But so even just as an example, your potassium is way too low on pretty much every sample I looked at. So um, once you raise potassium up, magnesium is probably going to come down a little bit. That's what we found in our own soils. And if you want to raise your calcium just a little bit, you can throw a little gypsum out there. And I don't know how much sulfur you have, so I, I also can't say, you know, if you're sitting on 1,000 parts per million of sulfur, magnesium will flush out on its own if you have good drainage. If you're sitting on two parts per million of sulfur, then you got to get that addressed. And over time, you can turn some of that magnesium into magnesium sulfate, which is Epsom salts. It's leachable. You flush it out. Okay, here's the other extreme. 1.9% magnesium. And you look at this and you go, oh, i got to put a whole bunch of magnesium out there. Now, I'd say... You probably need some, but let me explain what's going on here. Okay. Calcium. You have 17,500 parts per million. And so it's showing 97.7% base saturation calcium and a cation exchange capacity of 89.5. Now, is it possible that this is true? Well, it's possible. It's highly unlikely. I'd say there's a there's a 99% chance that these numbers are not real. So we have Neil Kinsey on the show from time to time, and one of the tests that his lab runs is called a cation displacement test. And what you're going to find is that, well, okay, there's one other test that we'd like run. Midwest Labs run, runs a test called excess lime. I'll almost guarantee you your excess lime reading here would be high. So when your excess lime rate is high, and you find your calcium is this ridiculous number, like oh, anytime it's over 90%. I don't remember what Neil's cutoff is, 85% or something like that. He always runs cation displacement test. And we're going to take that, that lime, that excess lime there, out. You can flush that out with good drainage over time. Here again, sulfur will help you do that. But we'd like to know what, what our real numbers are. But my guess is that area of your field is fairly heavy, fairly tight. And you just flat out need some tile there. If it was my farm, I would. You do that, and over the next 10 years, you flush a bunch of that excess calcium out, and then things will kind of neutralize and you'll be okay. But anyway, yeah, you only have 200 parts per million there on magnesium. It might be a little low. It's hard to say. It might not be terrible either. But potassium you definitely need because you only have 86 parts per million and 0.2% base saturation K. So anyway... Yeah, you got, you got some extremes there, and we'd handle those things a little bit differently, but you can't believe all the things you see on a soil test when they are in complete soil tests, and that's kind of my point. All right, thanks for the questions. Hopefully that, that helps. I've uh, got another one here that comes in from Tyler, excuse me, over in Illinois. Tyler said, uh, curious about some different herbicides, and uh, I was talking to somebody about a product called Reviton. Uh, our biggest concern about it would potentially be crop safety. Would this be a product that we could use in no-till soybean burndown? How would it compare to Sharpen? Uh, what about residual activity, that kind of thing? Okay. So with this Reviton product, honestly, we haven't tested it yet. So because we haven't tested it, I'm not going to... I, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and tell you, oh, yeah, I use a whole bunch of this brand new thing. It's a PPO. It does have some residual. It doesn't have as much, as much residual as Sharpen, though. And it's kind of spendy. 
it compared to like AIM, for example. So it would be priced fairly similar to Sharpen, but it's much more expensive than AIM. So if you're just looking for burndown, I'm throwing AIM in. But my question for you is, what, what are we doing here? I mean, why why are you even looking at this product? Because like in soybeans, if you're in list one, I'm using Enlist as a burndown, the 2,4-D. Or in Extend Flex Beans, I'm using Extendamax, the, the Dicamba, as my burndown. So that's why I'm just, I'm, I'm curious what, what exactly we're trying to do here. So yeah, it's a PPO. Um, it has some residual, but not much. So you have to be careful with it in a number of different crops because at the moment it doesn't have a Let's call it zero day rotational restriction. So, like right now, if I remember right, the the rotation or the the limit is well. Actually, he's got in his question here too. I think, uh, but uh, no, he doesn't. Anyway, there is a plant back restriction to soybeans right now. I believe that's changing. Uh, but anyway, I'm just remembering from the, the original stuff that I saw on Reviton. So yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. It's a new PPO. But I, I want to walk before I run. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, this one came in from Wayne. He said, I noticed on your TV show you guys are running a John Deere tractor and planter. My question is why? Have you found any advantage in uniformity, closing, reliability, etc.? I would say this. Almost everybody's new planters versus what they had five or ten years ago, they're better. So... Do we like John Deere stuff? Yeah. We also like Case IH. We like Fent. I mean, there, there are a lot of a lot of really good things out there. And that's one of the exciting things. Well, it's kind of like pickups. So some people are really passionate that it's got to be this brand or that brand. I'm going, have you driven the other ones? I mean, they're all really good compared to what they used to be. It's, it's So if you've got a 10-year-old pickup, I mean, literally, you could go step in any brand. And when I travel, I rent cars. Or, or, you know, cars, SUVs, pickups, all kinds of things. So I've driven about every brand there is here in the last three years, and I'm going, they're all great. So anyway, if you haven't been looking at new equipment and you have old stuff, and you're, if you're just trying to conserve cost, I get that, and, and so I support you. But what I'm saying here is if you want more technology, you want to do a better job out in the field, it's very possible with this new equipment. Whether you're talking John Deere, Case IH, Agco, any of these brands, take a look at stuff because there have been some massive improvements in things. And one of the things that I always focus on is we farm quite a few acres. Now, and granted, it's small potatoes compared to some people out there, but we're farming 3,400 crop acres. And I mean, farmland prices around here are really expensive now. So I just look at all the dollars we have at stake with the potential yields that we have and everything else. I want to do an amazing job, not just a good job, because it's worth so much money. If I can get even three bushels more, five bushels more, seven bushels more every single year, my goodness, does that add up. So anyway, I'm not saying, oh, everybody needs to get rid of all their old equipment and switch all to new, but I am saying... Really, for everybody out there, we have to continue to work as farmers and agronomists to see what's available, how much does it cost, and how much does it pay. Because ultimately, I don't care about costs. I care about net income. And if I can make more than what something costs me, well, then I'm super interested in that, especially when that return on investment is really good. Thanks for all the questions today. That was that was really fun. A lot of diverse topics there. And also thanks for the discussion on improving seed emergence. We'll talk more about that as we get a little bit closer to planting in the north. 
Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.